hello 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 what up yo yo baby yo baby yo baby yo it's your buddy the safe cracker mortimer main coming back at you from up here in the treehouse lounge where we lounge we chill we relax we have fun we engage we discuss we listen to music all right we watch movies we drink drinks we eat food we do all that we dance dances we do all that too but on this show we talk about one thing movies <laughs> just kidding music we also talk about movies though we talk about everything on this show man who wants to listen to a show they only talk about one thing right all right where am i <laughs> okay check this out yeah i think uh, i think this is gonna be a cool show um uh, we're still in the bees we're talking about the bangles part two today's the bangles part two and it's gonna be a two for two songs instead of the usual measly one all right <laughs> same price check this out before we get into the muzak today we're gonna talk about the movie that we watched while we were setting up in the lounge today it was 2006's biopic of johnny cash walk the line starring reese witherspoon and joaquin phoenix as johnny okay i saw this movie when it came out in 2006 and i was like yeah yeah good movie learned a lot you know learned the whole story i always thought that johnny cash had killed someone in reno and then like got locked up in Folsom prison for you know not that many years but maybe like five or six years and then you know his music career didn't start till he was like 30 or something like that <laughs> i forgot everything about this movie since the first time i saw it i forgot he's in the air force i forgot that he he never actually went to jail okay i was just one of these saps that believed that and uh, the movie kind of like plays plays up on that too all these people <laughs> yeah so johnny cash okay he he struggled he struggled with drugs you know um and but like the main conflict it seemed like for the whole movie was his struggle just to get june carter to marry him <laughs> there was so much drama you know like the last 45 minutes of the movie just like marry me no marry me no marry me no marry me okay and then it's like 35 years later you know like uh they both died um <laughs> well i mean that's not funny i like johnny cash man i like his music and june carter uh his his beloved wife played you know a large part in a lot of that music too so r.i.p to both y'all walk the line yeah check the movie out if you don't know the story but uh it was a lot more like romantic drama this time around than it was the first time for me but i'll still give it a recommend because uh man joaquin and uh, reese were really good too and i don't even know if that was joaquin's real voice or not uh or like johnny like dubbed over or, or whatever anyways that's that Okay, so Bangles Part 2, the 80s, the mid-80s. The album is A Different Light from 1986. So, yeah, we talked about the Bangles before with uh, Hazy Shade of Winter, and that was a fun episode. Let's talk a little bit more about them today, because there's a lot of cool stuff here. So, the 80s, man, landlines, uh, classified ads. That's how people communicated. You know, <laughs> largely. This band met um, when two separate classified ads looking to, you know, other band members to start a band were posted in the same week, the same weekly magazine. One of them 
was uh, posted by Susanna Hoffs, which is one of the original members, and she's like, hey, I'm looking to start a band. Who else wants to start one? And she got one reply, and it was just, let's say, from, like, person B. The other classified ad was posted by this other girl, person C, who was currently in a band with two sisters, and they were the uh, Peterson sisters, okay? So when Susanna Hoffs, who posted the first ad, called up person C to be like, hey, I'm interested in your post, person C wasn't home, that wasn't around. So one of the sisters answered the phone and was like, hey, yeah, like we're in a band with person C, like we want to start a band too. Let's start a band. And then, so they gave the message, because they were roommates with Person C, the sisters were roommates with Person C, they gave her the message. Person C was like, nah, I'm not interested in what you guys are talking about. So Susanna Hobbs and the Peterson sisters got together, and then um, they, the Peterson sisters had some other friend who was in the band, but then she was like, nah, nah, like, I'm out of here, I'm going to university, I'm going to school. And then um, Person B was called back and was just like, yo, okay, you can be in the band now, we got space for you. So that's how they got together. And uh, they were originally called themselves Colors. Colors, Colors, Colors. And uh, then they changed that name to The Bangs, which I just thought sounded super punk, super cool. But then there was like some conflict with some other band where like, yeah, we're The Bangs, you know, we're the LA band called The Bangs, man. Get out of here. Oh, they said they could use the name, but they had to pay them. So uh, the band who then became the Bangles were like, F that. And uh, yeah, the Bangles, like, as far as I know, aren't they just like the jingly, like, bracelets, you know, that you wear, like, a bunch of popular stuff in the 80s. Think, like, Madonna and Cyndi Lauper, they often have, like, bracelets like this. I think that's what Bangles actually are. So it kind of played up to the fact that it was an all-girl group quartet which you know undeniably was kind of a novelty you know i don't think it's still seen that way because these were you know all four members they wrote songs they they all uh, contributed they, and they all played their instruments but it was just like oh yeah all girl group all girl group so no one's ever like all guy group all guy group right but that's the way it was um and yeah man that's the way it was right so they, uh, their first single, after they changed their name to The Bangles, they actually produced themselves on their own DIY label called Down Kitty Records, so I thought that was super cool. And um, later on, when uh, Person B left <laughs> the band, she was replaced by uh, a person named Michelle Steele who was formerly in The Runaways with uh, Joan Chet. So, got some like more like... I don't know, industry rock credibility injected there. They opened for Cindy Lauper on her fun tour in 1983. So that's pretty major exposure because that tour was promoting the She's So Unusual album, which I have, so we'll be listening to later on and talking about Cindy Lauper because I love her. And yeah, so this is their second studio album. It had two major singles that we're going to listen to. Like I said, we're going to two for today. Let's start it off with Manic Monday. Let's just listen to the tune and we'll talk about it in a bit. <laughs> okay, here we go. Manic Monday. Got a case of the Mondays. Another case of the Mondays. Here we go.
So I think I'm starting to <laughs> develop like this weird obsession with reading the critics' reviews, uh, the critics' crap reviews of, you know, the tunes that obviously I think are really good. When this song came out, a lot of people kind of uh, hated on it because it, it's just, you know, a song about like not liking to get out of bed, you know, which everybody can identify with on a Monday and go to work, you know, and like have to work in general. And the critics were like, yeah, yeah, very reminiscent of uh, the Mamas and the Papas Monday, Monday. And I'm like, are you serious? You're going to take one song, you know, and compare it with another one recorded 20 years before? Just because, like, they have the same theme of, like, uh, Mondays are kind of a drag? Like, what does that have to do with anything? It's like when I say to someone, hey, do you like that movie, The Thin Red Line? And they're like, uh, I like Saving Private Ryan better. Or I'm just like, oh, like, do you like dogs? And people will be like, yeah, but I like cats better. Or, yeah, I like dogs definitely better than cats. I'm like, man, who said anything about cats? <laughs> Why you gotta compare something to something else all the time, you know? Why can't you just say, yeah, I like it, or I don't? Jeez, man. Anyway, so ch check this out too, right? Critics like, yeah whatever it's it's lame it's been done manic money is a big hit um <laughs> it was check this out check this out this is cool it was written by prince okay the artist formerly known as the artist formerly known as prince prince r.i.p he had written the song for his own group that uh, he was he had produced and, and was pushing out called apollonia six it was pretty cool though, he, for for whatever reasons, um, he didn't want to use his real name, so the writing credit is just given to Christopher, his pseudonym. Pseudonyms? <laughs> man, that's weird, people who use pseudonyms are weird for sure, right? Prince, man. <laughs> so, so, some say that uh, Prince just gave them the song after hearing their first album because he really liked it, it had that song. The Eternal Flame, which was a big hit, which apparently uh, Susanna Hoffs and the girls, I guess, had written when they visited Graceland in Memphis, Tennessee to pay respects to Elvis, the king. Or it was that Prince uh, was just hollering at uh, Susanna Hoffs and trying to maybe get her uh, working with him. So I've, I've read both situations. In either case, they gave uh, Prince gave up the song. It was a big hit, and I think everybody had a good time with it. Okay, let's move on to our next song. Let's talk about it a bit more. We're gonna listen to "Walk Like an Egyptian" now, okay? Which was also like the second biggest hit, or the first biggest hit on the record with "Manic Monday," but it also was not written by the band. Written by some guy, whatever, some songwriter. This song was major, okay? It had a, a really popular music video, like MTV, like blew it up. Dare I say, this was a bona fide dance craze? I don't know, like I wasn't up in the club in 1986, but I wonder if people just kind of dropped everything and just like started doing the walk like Egyptian to dance. I don't know, man. Maybe, I hope so. Listen to uh, the lyrics. They're talking about all the cops in the donut shop, you know, walk like an Egyptian. Which I think is pretty uh, pretty good lyric. Um, yeah, this this one just takes me back. I like this tune. This song is the reason that I bought this album. Okay, this song 
is my favorite Bangles song. So let's take a trip back in time and see what the latest dance craze was in 1986. Swat like an Egyptian baby. Here we go. Okay, there it is. Big tune, big tune. And uh, yeah, something I gotta mention there, something I think is really cool about this, because it's like, you know, it's got this, the walk like an Egyptian dance has got this like funky arm placements, you know, and uh, some people are probably like, oh yeah, well, how the fuck do you know how an Egyptian walked, okay, you know? And um, the dance was actually just based on uh, hieroglyphics, right? Like, um, Artworks left of people 
in this like funky position you know so that's where uh, we got it from so who knows uh you know if they would just walk down the street like that <laughs> or who knows if it was part of like some ceremony or if like only special people could you know hold their arms like that and if anyone else tried it they get blasted on who knows the mysteries of the ancient world right <laughs> okay so check this out there was another song on this album called September Girls, uh, which was another cover written by a guy named Alex Chilton. This guy's more famous for writing that song, The Letter. He was in a band called The Box Tops. You're like, what's that? It's the song that's like, Give me a ticket to an airplane And I time to take the fast train I'm a that big tune check this out that dude alex chilton was 16 years old when uh, he wrote that man so yeah seeing alex chilton's there uh remind, name on the credits on the sleeve there's a little liner note with the vocals 16 years old man they reminded me of uh, that band silver chair from australia and when i was like I don't know, 12 or 13, these guys came out with their big album, Frog Stomp, which I really like. They were 16 too. That's pretty cool. Just like, you know, what a 16-year-old can do, right? Um, so yeah, uh, this band broke up in 1989, and there was like, you know, I guess that was like 10 years of being in the band. But there was a lot of, as always, the media was like, who's the leader, you know? who We only want to talk to one person. Like, that's usually like the most attractive person, right? And then the media or the label wants to make that person the focus if they're like, if they sell, you know, in quotes. Um, but like I said, you know, everybody played their instruments, they wrote their own songs, they, they even shared like singing time to consciously not allow that to happen. But, but of course, like the, the outside pressure, as it pretty much always does, uh, that did happen. So that created a lot of conflict and, um, yeah so they broke up they reformed later like you know in obscurity as it happens and i was kind of thinking about that i'm just like whatever i got no problem with that but think about this stuff think about just like the mindset of like seeing one act one one song even um take me back to uh i guess like i'm in grade one ice ice baby drops by vanilla ice if someone was like, hey, do you want to go see Vanilla Ice? I'd have been like, hell yes. Like, oh my God, dream come true. Ultimate dream come true. Then Vanilla Ice, um, you know, if in like 2006, someone was like, hey, do you want to go see Vanilla, Vanilla Ice? I'd be like, hell no, like lame city, you know, wouldn't be caught dead at that show, right? <laughs> And then uh, they're like in 2015, they are like, I don't know, 2018, they were doing like these like nostalgia tours, 90s nostalgia tours. And if someone then was like, hey, do you want to go see Vanilla Ice? I'd probably be like, yeah, sure, I'll go see Vanilla Ice, you know? <laughs> so what the hell is that, right? I'm like, yeah, I want to see him. Then I'm like, no way, I don't want to see him. And then I'm like, yeah, I do want to see him. I'm just, you know, I think I'm kind of a regular person with that too. Like, what's up with that? Talk about like perceptions and tastes changing over time. Man, okay. One more thing. I have a walk like an Egyptian inspired tattoo. That's all I'm going to say about that. So take what you learned today uh, and store it because maybe it'll come in handy in the future sometime. <laughs> 
Hope you liked the tunes. Hope you had fun. I had fun. We got more fun in store tomorrow. We'll come back in about 24 hours, and I'll have another show for you. Another brand new day. Another brand new show. Take care of yourselves out there, kids. Each one, teach one. They call me Morty. They call me Magic. They call me the Safe Cracker. They call me the Matador. All right, because I cut the bull. <laughs> this is Matador signing off, saying. I will see you tomorrow. Peace, y'all. Peace. Peace and love. Peace.